What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 127, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am super duper pumped about the NFL season. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and it looks like he got himself a little light. What's going on there with that? Not a little light. I got the lights fixed down here. I got new bulbs because I told you they were all going out. Remember they were how, all like, going out. Remember last year you came over and you're like, you could hardly see? Yeah. Because there were a lot of lights out, right? Well, last yeah. summer I replaced every single light bulb down here. And then this summer they burnt out. And I'm like, well, aren't they supposed to last longer than a year? So I end up, I, I go to Menards or yeah, I go to Menards. I bring the light bulb because I want to get the same light bulbs, obviously, because if, if it's off a shade, it's going to bother me tremendously. So I bring in the light bulb and I ask the guy, I'm like, hey, do you think you could find me this light bulb? And the guy goes, no. He goes, he goes, they don't make these anymore. These are illegal now. I go, you're trying to tell me I got illegal light bulbs in my house? What are you, a smuggler? And he goes, they're illegal because they passed a law that you need to have a certain watt to lumen ratio now. So they don't make these anymore. He goes, they just stopped making them in August 2023. I'm like, oh, I just missed them by a month. Like, So I'm like, do you have anything similar? And he gave me a suggestion. And yeah, I mean, you really can't tell the difference from one or the other. But I wonder if that's why they burnt out so quickly because they should have lasted longer than a year. So that's my story for you. I got new bulbs. We're bright and ready. I like the lighting situation, and we're ready to roll. You look good. But you're just trying to, like, undermine me. Like, you got an illegal light bulb. Like, what am I supposed to do? Would you have bought the illegal light bulbs if they had a couple left in stock? Probably. Hell, yeah. Just because I wanted to match. I was nervous that – because I didn't replace them all. I only replaced the one that, that were out. And I was nervous that getting these new ones, they'd just be a shade off than the other ones. But they were the same wattage, the same lumens. But so I just, I went with it and they're fine. It's fine. Hell yeah, Frank. What a story. You got a legit story about freaking you fixing your damn light bulbs and I respect it. And every time I go into Menards, I get a half hour story about light bulbs. It's like they're proud to tell you. Hell yeah. Save big money at Menards on light bulbs. Well, right. Frank, speaking of light bulbs, there are lots of light bulbs that go off in my head when I'm talking about sports, and I think it's time to talk about some sports, period number one. Yeah, you suck on that coke. You're bothering me, dude. Get out of here. What do you mean? I'm trying to have, I'm trying to finish my drink. Damn. What do you mean? Frank, the NHL's dead. Hockey's yeah. dead right now. You, you say that every week, VP. No, but like, yeah, this week, <laughs> this week, I mean it. Two I, weeks I, yeah. ago, I meant it too. Last or three week was three weeks dead, ago. Too. Yeah, I guess that would be two weeks ago. Was dead. Last week was good because of the PWHL. And I didn't expect a plethora of PWHL signings to come out this morning. Boy, did Dan Rice nail Marie Philippe Poulin. Signing with the Montreal team. Oh, there was they didn't get drafted, right? No, the draft is for like amateur people. The the veteran type women players are, you know, signing as free agents. Hillary Knight hasn't signed yet, to my knowledge, but I'm I'm betting that she goes to Boston, right? Like that's gonna end up being the case. But Marie Philippe Poulain should not be playing anywhere else other than Montreal, in my opinion. But uh, Darnell Nurse went to or not Darnell Nurse. Um, his is it his cousin or his sister? 
Sarah, the one on NHL with Zegris. Yeah, Sarah Nurse. She signed with Toronto. So oh, okay. good for her. That'll be fun. I'm excited. I will be watching some of it this season. Oh, yeah. Um, but they're really, I mean, the NHL, their training camp starts in a couple, like, week, a week or two, I think. They're building the ice. There are some rookies showing up at NHL Rookie Showcase, which we'll touch on in just a second here. But, I mean, other than, like, training camp is coming soon. What do you got to say about that? I mean, I'm looking forward to training camp. I mean, it's just it's an opportunity for these young Blackhawk players to get their chance to try out for the team. Connor Bedard's obviously going to be the best player in the Blackhawks training camp. There's some other guys to keep an eye on this year. Alex Vlasic, Kevin Korchinski, Lucas Reichel. You're all going to see him in training camp. And, you know, Alex Vlasic and Lucas Reichel both have a small bit of NHL experience, but they spent most of their time in Rockford last year. And Alex Vlasic actually spent a majority of his time on the top power play unit for the Ice Hogs. And I think that if he has a tremendous uh, training camp, I think he has a chance to make the Blackhawks roster this year. 22 years old, great size, six foot over 200 pounds. Um, and, and, you know, the same thing could be said about Lucas Reichel. I'm expecting Reichel to get a majority of his playing time in the NHL this season with the Blackhawks. And, uh, you know, having a great training camp would solidify that. Then you have Kevin Korchinski, who was a superstar for the Thunderbirds last year. Um, he's developing slowly in the Blackhawks organization. He's the Blackhawks top defensive prospect. And I can't wait to see what he does in training camp too. Cause you know, this is all for the, this is all for the future. So I'm looking forward to it. And this is the true next step before the NHL season starts. Absolutely. Frickin Alex Vlasic, Lucas Reichel, Kevin Korczynski, just another reason to tune into the preseason. Um, <laughs> Training camp is coming soon. There are lots of players around the league that we're excited to see. Obviously, the storylines are going to build as the teams come up. But uh, people are just starting to travel back to North America if they weren't residing in North America over the last handful of months. So that's really uh, exciting. One bit of news that did drop this morning that I didn't write down, but I know you're smart enough to give me some quick thoughts on it real quick. The Pittsburgh Penguins hired former NHL defenseman, Hall of Fame, Norris Trophy winner, and former GM of the San Jose Sharks from 2002 to 2000, 2003 to 2022, Doug Wilson played for the Chicago Blackhawks for 14 years too. Won a Norris Trophy with them. Um, he's the Pittsburgh Penguins' new senior advisor to hockey operations. He's a tick below Kyle Dubas in their system. Any thoughts on you know a very successful former GM coming to Pittsburgh to help out Kyle Dubas? Yeah, I did. It's, he has no ties to Pittsburgh, I don't think, which was kind of weird. Maybe he just wanted to go hang out with Dubas and develop something special there with the players they still have and, you know, see what sticks. So, I mean, I mean maybe that's the case. You, you normally see guys like that when you're the senior vice president of hockey ops or whatever you just said. When you have that type of role, you normally see those them types of guys go to play or teams that ha they have connections to, right? So... I mean, wasn't Eddie Olchek the senior hockey ops of the Blackhawks at one point? Or who was the senior hockey ops of the Blackhawks? I'm pretty um, sure it was somebody who was in the organization or had ties to the organization. They they were they were uh, Eddie Olchek and Sharp and them. They were uh, advisors, but they weren't like senior like not, senior not advisors. The three, not the three players. There was somebody else I thought that was like that was just named. Maybe it wasn't for the Hawks, but maybe it was for another team. But I thought they had ties to the team. A lot of the times they do. I mean, the only tie I could think of for Doug Wilson, freaking he traded for Eric Carlson from the Sharks from Ottawa. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they lost to Pittsburgh in 2017 or 16, excuse me, in the Stanley Cup final. Um, but really, Doug Wilson, the Sharks didn't get the cup. They got to the cup once, but they were one of the best teams in the NHL for 20 years. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The Sharks were a Stanley Cup contender each and every year for the most part while Wilson was there. And now you're combining those two brains because Dubas, they didn't win the Cup in Toronto. But again, very, very good team for his entire tenure. Those two minds coming together as they try to, you know, end a very interesting, illustrious career for Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Um, it's going to be cool. And I like Doug Wilson, obviously, former oh, yeah. Black Hall of um, Famer. Hall of Famer, Norris Trophy winner. I looked to see if he lost to the Penguins twice in the Stanley Cup final because the Hawks did in 92. Mm-hmm. But that was his first year away from the Hawks as he finished his oh, really? career with, you guessed it, the San Jose Sharks. So, yeah, very interesting move. I'm happy for the Penguins. I think those two guys are going to work well together, even beyond their current core. I think this mm-hmm. group leads the way into the next generation of Penguins hockey too. So that's really fun. And then I mentioned the NHL Rookie Showcase been going on over the last handful of days. Um, little preview, those of you who read my shit, thewindycity.com, top five Blackhawks prospects coming at you soon. I think you know who number one is, but two through four, I'm going to create some arguments here. I'm ready to rock on that. Um, but two of the prominent ones, Korchinski and Bedard, were at the NHL Rookie Showcase, uh, brought to you by Upper Deck. Uh yeah freaking cool to see these guys skating around and getting ready for the nhl season bunch of awesome rookies there so any takeaways for you yeah it was it was a little more special for me because uh we got to see bedard in a hawks jersey with his number sewn on it with all of his hockey gear on and it was just that was a really cool moment i believe there were a total of 34 rookies that took part in the showcase and you know they're all signing memorabilia participating in video shoots for ea sports um they also posed for their first official upper deck trading cards. And uh, I know Connor Bedard stated how special that moment was being put on a trading card because he was an avid collector for himself. Um, But not only Bedard, but Matthew Savoy and Logan Stankoven, uh, Sabres prospect Savoy and uh, Stankoven's a Dallas Stars prospect, both also stated how special the upper deck photo shoot was for them too, because I mean, this is when things get start to get real for these players and not only for the players, but the fans as well, you know, before you know it, you're going to have the chance to pull a Connor Bedard rookie card and who knows how much that card's going to be worth. And you know, same goes for the other rookies as well. This is the beginning of uh, some of these guys creating their legacy in the NHL. And, you know, as tacky as it sounds, uh, it all starts with the rookie showcase. Oh yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm pumped. I think all these guys they look great in their jerseys. Um, it's going to be fun to see them play in the NHL this season. Most of them, um, but yeah, with Bedard, it's a little bit different. I know Korchinski's unreal. I'm not positive Korchinski makes the team. I'm not positive I want Korchinski to make the team. Um, I'm not sure if that would mean AHL or Seattle Thunderbirds again. I actually think it would mean Seattle Thunderbirds again. Um, and obviously, once you go there, you're not coming back. Um, so that's usually how that works, but we'll see what happens with him. But Bedard, he'll play on night one. I think there are a couple other prospects that have a good chance. So, um, good year in the NHL. I'm for rookies. I'm excited that we could possibly have a Devils Blackhawks uh, rivalry in the Calder Trophy race all year long. I think there's a certain um, Arizona Coyote that'll be in the mix, and I think there's a certain Buffalo Saber that will be in the mix as well. And then, of course. I think Fantilli will be in the mix too. They're probably a five or six horse race entering the season for the Calder Trophy. So 
get out there and watch your rookies. When you know they're playing, make sure you tune in. Um, Frank, this isn't, like I said, it's the eve of football. And we're going to be talking a lot of football on the show, but we had to touch on hockey considering this is primarily a hockey show. Um, but like I said, other than the news about Dubas, I was, I literally, I went down my own timeline that I create every tweet puck pros there. I mean, it's like mostly just opinion based stuff. Like we're not going to sit here and go over the three reasons that I don't think the golden Knights are going to repeat as the Stanley cup champions or the Rangers or whatever team. Um, it's basically just like, we got to wait these final weeks out and uh, right before training camp starts, you'll start to see some free agent signs, ones mm-hmm. that are left over from the off season. Frank, there are three free agents remaining that scored 20 or more goals last season. That is um, Tomas Tatar, who played last season for the New Jersey Devils. Patrick Kane, who split last season between the Chicago Blackhawks and the New York Rangers. And then Zach Parisi, who played last season for the New York Islanders. There are a couple other really good free agents. I was just going to run through a couple free agents here. I don't know if you wrote any down with predictions. I got a couple. Um, but, you know, if there's any you, you wrote down that I didn't ask you, go ahead and throw it to me, too. Um, I wrote down a couple myself. I, wrote, I left one blank because I was going to discuss it with you first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, but right off the bat, the first one that I have written down is our guy, the former Blackhawks captain, Jonathan Taves. Where do you think Taser ends up? <laughs> I didn't write this down because, you know, my opinion, I, I think he's hanging up the skates. I really do. I, I, don't, I don't see even though he any- said he's not. I, even though he said he's not, I think it's just a way he wants a little bit more time. And I think the at the end of the day, he's just going to hang up the skates. I, I In my head, I think it's so much of a given fact. I, I didn't even predict where he could go. Oh, I mean, that's he literally said he's not. Like, I get what you're saying. He might have, like, extended time to, like, Listen, decide if he was going to retire. Tom Brady said he retired and he came back. No, I, I get – but that would be, like – that would be like Tom Brady saying he's coming back and me being like, no, I actually think he's done. Like you, 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 you could leave the door open for him to be retired, but you're saying you'd be stunned. It's a stone cold fact. He's retired. That's where I mean by like, Oh, but he said he's coming back. You have to leave the door open a little bit, a little bit. Um, maybe Colorado, if he did come back, right. I was thinking that too. I wrote down a different team, but they would be my number two for him. Yeah. Like, you have Taves and Taves on the same team. I, ah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could use good center depth. I mean, they already have decent center depth, but it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Taves on your team who could win faceoffs and you know help further your chances of winning the cup, especially in the playoffs. Winning faceoffs is huge. So maybe Colorado, but other than that, man, I really, really, truly believe he's hanging up the skates. Fair enough. I like the Colorado pick. I picked Edmonton. Imagine if it was McDusty, Drysidle, Taves down the middle at five on five, and then they have Ryan McLeod as their fourth line center. I, I f with crazy. that. I f with that, and then Taves would probably play on the second unit with I don't know Evander Kane. Um, who else would could possibly play? I think they use Hyman on the top unit, so I don't really know. Um, but there'd be all sorts of great opportunity for him there in Edmonton to try and win the Stanley Cup to end his career. What about Tomas Tatar? I wrote him down. Tatar! I have a prediction on Tatar. You know, he's a true NHL veteran. He's been around for more than a decade. And still at 32 years of age, he could still get you roughly 40 to 50 points if he stays healthy and plays his best game. Um, It's kind of surprising that Tatar hasn't been signed as of yet. You know, he's the type of players that would do great on a bubble team. 
such as the Sabres, maybe even the Penguins. He could boost the middle six of either of these teams and help patch some holes in the offense for some of those teams. So, you know, if I had to guess, he'd go to a bubble team. So I'm going to say Sabres or Penguins. Um, I wrote down Pittsburgh. Um, you know my feeling on Pittsburgh. I do not think they're a bubble team. I think they will be in the playoffs by at least five points, um, which I guess that could be a bubble team. But I love Tatar for Pittsburgh. You could throw him with Crosby or Malkin. Um, they'll have Eric Carlson, Christopher Latang on the back end. They already added a bunch of really good forwards. Gensel will be back eventually. Um, if you add Tatar to Pittsburgh, they have one of the best top sixes in the NHL. Uh, possibly one of the best top nines in the NHL with Nieto going there and Achari and all that. Um, I think Tatar to Pittsburgh just makes so much sense. If I had to name a second team, I like your Buffalo pick, but I'll throw the New York Islanders in there as well. And the fact that we don't hear much about Tatar, you don't really hear much about people that end up going to the Islanders. So that's, you know, that was in the back of my head, but I, I wrote down pens, but I'll throw Islanders out there as a sleeper possible. I like that. It's not a bad pick. What about my all-time favorite player, Zach Parisi? Yeah, you know. Nobody in the NHL last season had more, had less dollars on their salary per goal. He was the best bargain in the NHL last season. He's making what, like seven hundred and fifty thousand, right? Seven hundred and fifty thousand for twenty-one goals. A twenty-one goal scorer makes six, seven, eight in today's market. He's thirty-eight years old last year. He's thirty-nine now. He probably won't get much more than that even this year. But the best bargain in terms of goal scoring in the NHL last season. He he's another guy that could possibly retire, but the only thing that prevents that is you know he's got twenty goal twenty goal scorer a year before. That was also his first twenty goal season since. Uh, 2020. So uh, the door, he, he kind of reminds me of a, a Corey Perry type of player. Maybe he goes to a team that's rebuilding and wants to help, you know, boost their, you know, presence on the team with his veteran presence and help them rebuild. Like Corey Perry said, he was glad to come to the Hawks because he wants to, you know, show them what he has and give them his knowledge from being from a veteran perspective and try to build them up that way. I mean, maybe Zach Parisi does something like that. Maybe Zach Parisi ends up on the blue jackets. I don't really see him in a blue jackets Jersey. I can't fathom that. I can't picture that in my head. Um, maybe cause I'm used to him wearing every, every color, but blue, but Maybe he goes to like uh, the Coyotes or something like that, or the Flyers, or a team like that, you know, and a team that could use a veteran presence. So I'll I'll go with that. I'm going to say that. Either like that, that or retired. I think retiring is possible. Unlike Taves, he didn't say he was retiring, <laughs> or he didn't say he was coming back. I mean, um, so that's obviously on the table at 39 years old. Lots of injury, but I do think Zach Parisi probably is annoyed that a lot of his career was taken in his mid thirties was taken out due to injury at the back issue. And last year he played in all 82 games and he scored 21 goals. It's like, Hey man, I'm still good. You know why? If I'm healthy, I, I literally, I played all 82 games. My ice times decreased because I'm not going to play over Bo Horvat or Matty Barzal or Anders Lee or anyone like that. But I mean, as of right now, it's, there's really no reason to think that he can't come back in the NHL this season. My only problem is I got him. I think it's Islanders devils or nothing just because I I don't see him leaving that area anymore. I think he's, you know, a family guy now. It's not, 
It's not just your typical like guy who's just moving all over the place all the time. A lot of Parisi's decisions throughout his career have been family orientated. And that includes going back to the Islanders. Like he literally, he either the only free teams he signed with in free agency are the team that plays where he grew up or the team his dad played for. Mm-hmm. Like he's, this man's just obsessed with his family. So, um, and the devils are obviously close. He, that's who drafted him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played there for seven years. His, if you take his five best seasons, four of them are probably as a member of the devils too. So, um, I don't know. Those are my two predictions, but I, I wrote down the Islanders. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense when you get up there in age like that. It's 39, right? 39. He just turned 39. Yep. Um, yeah, when you're up there that old, I mean, you're obviously at the end of the career. You don't want to do too much moving, especially if you go from, like, New York to Arizona or something like that. That's a big move. That's a long way away. So, yeah, you could be you could nail it on the head, too, if he doesn't end up retiring. Absolutely. I hope we get one more. I hope we it's get possible. one more ZP season. One more ZP season for VP to enjoy. All right. I didn't write down an answer to this because I was looking for some debate here or discussion. Phil Kessel. My guy I wrote down. I wrote him down. Phil Kessel. I have a great theory here. Lay it on me, pal. You're going to so say Phil- the Hawks. No, I'm not going to say the Hawks. I think Phil Kessel's a different story in my opinion, right? He'll be turning 36 just before the season. He's a bit older. But I think this is the like one of the last years. Like he's not Zach Parisi, he's not 39. He's just he's going to be turning 36. So before he really gets into his late 30s, 37, 38, 39, I think this is the perfect opportunity for a guy like Phil Kessel to join a younger team that's a Stanley Cup contender. You know? I don't see Phil Kessel playing many more years in the NHL. So if he announced his retirement in a week or so, or even next offseason, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But the only reason why I still think Phil Kessel has some value to teams is that he scored 14 goals. He had 36 points. You know, that could prove very valuable on a Stanley Cup contending younger team that plays. He could play Say it, fourth, mother. That he could play on the fourth line. Say it. I'm not saying the New Jersey Devils, if that's what you're thinking of. <laughs> I'm thinking more like the Dallas Stars, a young team that's truly a Stanley Cup contender. And, yeah, if you thought I was going to say the Devils, that would work too. You could go to the New Jersey Devils. I think there's really only three or four teams that he would work, in my opinion, playing on the fourth line or going to a, that young contending team. But, yeah, I, I definitely think the Dallas Stars or the, the New Jersey Devils would be up there as one or two. The only teams that fit that criteria of young contender. I got three. I would say the Avalanche, the Stars, the Devils, and then maybe the Oil. I was thinking the Hurricanes. Or the Hurricanes, yeah, the Hurricanes. 100%. The The Hurricanes could win the President's Trophy. So could the Devils or the Stars, in my opinion. I think those are probably your three favorites going in. Yeah. Probably. I, I think Toronto is going to be sick in the regular season, too. Talk to me in the playoffs how I feel about that then. But See, oh. this is I, – I think it would be a waste, Skokes, if you went to the Kraken. I really do. Because I don't – I think the Kraken are they're, – they're good. I mean, if he goes there, it's not going to make him Stanley Cup contenders, in my opinion. I think um, his time with going to teams like the Kraken are done and over with. You know, I really don't see him going to the Penguins either, like a team like that. 
or, you know, it's just certain teams. You just, I just, no, I, I really, you wouldn't go to like a Vegas team either. I wouldn't think, but I, uh, the Kraken don't make sense. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but no, I mean, not Kraken, this late in his career. The Kraken have to nail a big time free agent for me to see what that looks like. Yeah. They haven't done that, which they will. You know, I used to feel that way about Columbus. But then all of a sudden, Columbus started attracting all these free agents. They ended up with Johnny Hockey. Like, that used to be Columbus. I used to feel that way about Florida, too. And then Matthew Kachuk was like, I want Florida and the Calgary Flames. So, you know, like, that'll happen for Seattle eventually. Oh, yeah. Phil, Phil Kessel's not either of those guys. Make no. no mistake about it anymore. But he is a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He did offer to end his Ironman streak to sign with the team. Did he really? So, yeah. So I, I do think that. Phil Kessel plays. He wants to play. Um, I think he probably Hopefully. wants to play for more than one year. He just doesn't care if he plays in all 82 games anymore. No. Um, I hope I hope he would get opening night so we could like say farewell to the Ironman streak. But um, yeah, I'm I'm rooting for Phil to end up on a team like you mentioned. You know, I think the Dallas Stars and the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes probably enter this season as the three best teams in the NHL. Um, and they're all fairly young. Yes, they're all very young. I think the Outside oldest of, team is probably the Hurricanes of the three. Out of those, yeah. But like out of the, yeah. the, the oldest players on the Stars, Sagan, Ben, and Pavelski, and Suter. But everybody else is guys, like young. But those four guys were helpful last year. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're old, dead weight. Like, you know. He could have a little bit of depth. Have. 14 100%. goal score, 15 goal score on the fourth line. Do you remember how the Maybe Leafs so. got Phil Kessel? They traded uh, – no, I don't. They traded the number two pick to the Bruins. That number two pick? Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan and Phil Kessel have been traded for each other. And remember they traded each for each other in the All-Star game and someone goes, it worked out before or something like that. I'm trying um, to remember. Now it was the Taves. My brain's Nash. a little fuzzy. It was the Taves Felino draft. It was in Columbus, remember, and then Team Taves, Team Felino. Um, My brain's a little fuzzy. Like I remember the that game. Yeah, it was like twenty-two but, to twenty, the final yeah. score of the game. Yeah. Um, I remember but that. Phil Kessel and Tyler Sagan on the same team would be very funny. I, I mean, that it would, be it would very work out. Funny. It would make sense. They'd probably play on a line together. Oh, yeah. If I had to guess, third line possibly. Third line. Third yeah. line at most. He's not top six. No, no. Sagan has a better chance of playing in the top yeah. six. Um, but, yeah, those are the only ones I wrote down. Frank, do you have any others that you wanted to bring up? We could touch on this because I had a discussion with Tom this morning about this. I, I already talked to him. I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Uh, Ethan Bear. He says, random thought for you. Ethan Bear is still out there as a UFA. Think he'd look nice in the Indian head sweater. Last year, Ethan Bear had three goals and 13 assists for 16 points in his age 25 season. 61 games played, so he missed about 20 games, which mm -hmm. that's not his fault. But he's clearly a defensive defenseman. It looks to me like he had a lot of fair amount of ice time. Um, last season, he played over 18 minutes a game with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, the year before that, he, he 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, it disconnected me. I didn't know. Am I good? Sorry. Yeah, you're good. So if you didn't hear what I said, last year he played with the Vancouver Canucks, three goals, 13 assists, 16 points. Obviously, he's not a high, high end offensive player. His career high in points is 21 in his rookie year with Edmonton. Um, he did have 31 points in the AHL the year prior with the Bakersfield Condors. But, um, you know, time with the Hurricanes, the Canucks. He did play in the World Championships this summer. Didn't have a point in eight games, but Team Canada obviously did well. Let's look at mm -hmm. his advanced metrics. Let's see how he would help them defensively. Ethan Bear had a Corsi 4 of 51% last season, which means when he was on the ice, his team put the puck on net more than the puck was put on his net. So that is obviously a good thing. Yeah, Ethan Bear would be great for the Blackhawks. He wasn't extended a qualifying offer by the Vancouver Canucks. That's probably because they're a dumpster fire of the of an organization. <laughs> uh, in his rookie season, he did come in 10th place for the Calder Trophy. That's just four seasons ago. Um, he needs to stay healthy. Um, yeah, he does. That's the only problem. That's something that is easily, you know, you don't really coach that. You just kind of hope that people stay healthy. And so, yeah, I think Ethan Bear would be a good addition to a team. He made $2.2 million last year, so you're probably figuring roughly around the same this year if he were to crack a squad. I do believe he will play in the NHL this season. Any player any player who positively impacts your underlying statistics is – don't think – I know for a fact that NHL GMs worry about that stuff. So my, my response is I told Tom it wouldn't hurt. They wouldn't hurt to have him on the team. No, I would go as far to say as it would help. And he says he believes he's a right-handed shot, too. Um, Ethan Bear, let's see. Is Tom correct? He sure is. He is a right-shot defenseman. He's 26 years old. He just turned 26 on June 26th, and he is from Regina, Saskatchewan. He was the 124th overall pick in the fifth round of the 2015 NHL draft, and his amateur team, the Seattle Thunderbirds. Is uh is he a lefty or a righty? He's probably right because of his handedness. It just says and, D. And what about? Well, I wanted to know because I want to know what Alex Vlasic is. Because if the if it came down to the two, I'd rather have Alex Vlasic make the team than have Ethan Bear because I I kind of really like Alex Vlasic. Um, my thing is it shouldn't come down to either of those two. Well, if they're the same um, position, I don't think they're both gonna. They wouldn't both be on the team. Yeah, I think Vlasic, they're both like third third D pair. For maybe sure. Vlasic gets second line D pair, maybe, but definitely That'll, not top. If he's a lefty Vlasic, it doesn't matter because the Blackhawks lefty might be one of the most disgusting things I've ever looked at. <laughs> I, you know, on right D they have Jones and Murphy, and then Zaitsev sucks. So. Obviously, Ethan Bear would play right D over Zaitsev. Um, let's look and see what they say about Vlasic. Vlasic is obviously the cousin of Mark Edward Vlasic. Yes, Vlasic is lefty. So they're both lefties? No. Oh, um, then, that, then that could work out. Ethan Bear. Ethan Bear. I like that idea. Jones, Murphy, Bear, you have a good right side. And now, yeah, like I said, good. their left side's disgusting. Um, Wyatt Kaiser, good prospect. I'm not trusting him with top pair minutes as a early 20-year-old right now. Um, and then, obviously, the same thing goes for Vlasic. Good prospect, but that doesn't mean I expect him to come in and, you know, dominate right away at right. all. 
Um, you know, Vlasic, he, he might suck for the first 50 games and then turn it on in the second half of the season, especially on a team like this. But, yeah, the Blackhawks' defense, I don't think we could be picky. As of right now, Daily Faceoff has Philip Roos, Seth Jones is the top pair, Jared Tenorti, Connor Murphy as the second pair, Wyatt Kaiser, Nikita Zaitsev in the bottom pair. Connor Bedard would have to score 15 goals a night for this team to be freaking good. Because they would lose that game, or they would win that game, fifteen fourteen. Um, but I like the idea of Ethan Bear. It makes him a stronger it's team. It's not bad at all. And, no, I liked it when he brought it up. It was interesting, yeah, for sure. I, I it wasn't a name I was thinking of just randomly. It was... No, and out of every free agent remaining from last year, um, Ethan Bear made the tenth most money. Tied with Mike Smith, who's 41. Okay. The only players that made more that are still free agents are Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Josh Bailey, Tomas Tatar, Oscar Clefbaum, Jake Gardner, Jesse Pujarvi, John Moore, and Nick Ritchie. Interesting. So, and cool. Ethan Bear is probably one of the more value. You know what? That's a ding, 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 ding. Speaking of light bulbs, you fixed your light bulb. The light bulb just went off in my head. Look out for DeWindyCity.com over the next 24 hours. Ethan Bear will be featured. I like that idea. Thanks, Tom. Good discussion. Yeah. I'm glad Good you discussion. brought it up. Hell yeah. Nice. All right, Frank. You know what time it is. It is time to talk. Football! In period number two. Get out of here with that. How many times are you going to interrupt my drink? Well, what kind of drink is it? At least God share. Damn. God damn. What do you think it is? It ain't a McDonald's Coke. You went on a rant about it. McDonald's Coke stinks now. It absolutely stinks now. It wouldn't even be on my Mount Rushmore of Fountain Coke right now. So I'm, not, I'm not saying they don't have the capability to get it fixed. We're talking about McDonald's. Okay. Two companies didn't go down under the pandemic. Walmart and McDonald's. They can fix it, but right now it sucks. That is a Coke. It's a Coke from a hot dog joint called. It's called. It's a nice place. I love. Hold on. It's called Bubby's. But I didn't get. Yeah, I didn't get a hot dog or anything from there. I got myself a uh, sandwich from next door. And then I was like, wait a minute. I need a drink. And I went to the hot dog place to get a drink. And how is it? It's a good one. Not it's better Coke. than McDonald's right now. It's not like elite, but you know it's a B plus Coke. It's a this is the Kirk Cousins or a Jared Goff of Cokes. You can win. A, you could get to the playoffs with this Coke. You might be able to sneak out a wild card weekend win with this Coke, but you're not beating Patrick Mahomes in round two or Jalen Hurts in round two with this Coke. You know you need a Seven Eleven Coke. You need a Trevor Lawrence. You need a. Um, an AMC movie theater, a freaking Joe Burrow type you like of coke. like AMC movie that. theater coke? It might be on the Mount Rushmore right now. Really? Oh, yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this stuff, Frank, to the point where I can like compare it to football and you'll understand what I'm saying. So a lot of thought goes into this. Interesting. Um, but there's there's a need in the world for a B-plus coke. Not everybody can have a Patrick Mahomes or a Burrow or an Allen or even a Lawrence or a Herbert. You know, sometimes you need a Jared Goff. Sometimes yeah. you need a Kirk Cousins. The Vikings won 11 games last season with a Kirk Cousins. Or did they win yeah. 12? I think they won 12. 
Um, but I have a contentious AFC prediction coming up here in period number three. So make sure you stay tuned because I don't believe there's a bad team in the AFC. Let me be clear. I don't even care if they're if they're six and thirteen or whatever that or six and fourteen. That would be because um they play in the AFC. I don't think I any a, team in the AFC is bad. Where like I have a sleeper in the man. NFC. There are lots of sleepers in the NFC. The oh, NFC is yeah. all about the NFC has two Super Bowl teams, in my opinion. The rest are all the other uh, five that are going to make the playoffs. It could be anyone. And I feel that way about the AFC, too, just in a different vein. Everybody in the NFC is, like, trying to prove themselves. Everybody in the AFC is trying to, like, stay above water. Who's I'm the, proud I, of them. Who's the, I can't wait to hear. Who's the worst team in the AFC? I think it might be the Raiders. And the Raiders have, like, Devontae Adams and, you know, good quarterback play and a good defense. Like, the Raiders are good. They're going to beat some teams. And they might end up with the worst record in the AFC as a whole. So, I think every team in the North is good. I think every team in the East is good. The AFC South is a little weak. The uh, the Colts and the Texans might be, you know, those might be like bad teams for the AFC standard. But, I don't know, we're going to get into that discussion a little bit. First, we're going to start off, Frank, the top ten wide receivers in the NFL. Okay. Do you want to... Do you, we got, we're going to go a little quicker than we did. We got in, a lot of players here. Yeah, so let's just – why don't you – Do you want me to just go like however, whatever you think? Do you want me to say the list? Do you want me to go top five? Yeah, give your give your top – give your ten through six. Ten through six, from ten down to six? Yeah. Okay. Um, Number ten, I got Jalen Waddell, Miami Dolphins. Very good with Tua throwing him. He's, he's a magic man. I think he's a great player. Consider him a, a top player in the NFL. Um, if you're ranking all players, I think he's up there. He's a great player. Number nine is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, where did he – where is he now? He's not on Arizona. I know uh, Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans. That might uh, open up some more opportunities with Tannehill throwing him. I mean – Tannehill's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he can make some plays. Having Hopkins on the team, you got Derrick Henry at running back. It'll improve. We might see much improvement for him. I think he's uh, fair to say I got him at number nine. Number eight, CeeDee Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you got Dak Prescott throwing you. He's very talented. Dak Prescott, a little overrated. He'll get the job done. CeeDee Lamb's talented enough to, you know, be good no matter who's throwing him the ball. Seven, Devontae Adams I got. At, on the Las Vegas Raiders. Got Jimmy G quarterback in the Raiders this year. So that'll be interesting seeing how De- Devontae Adams uh, chemistries with him. And then number six, I got A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think A.J. Brown is so good, and he's plays for such a good team. I was considering making him a top five wide receiver. He might be in your top five. I don't know. But it was close, but I just bumped him right outside the top five. Um, I left DeAndre Hopkins off my list for the same reason I re-added A.J. Brown. Oh, really? And I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. So at number 10, I do have D.K. Metcalf. I think Seattle's a sleeper. They're going to be damn Absolutely. good again. Absolutely. And they've only added to their team. It's a very young team. It's one of the youngest good teams. They're the New Jersey Devils of the NFL. 
Okay, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, at number nine, I put Garrett Wilson, New York Jets. He's going to have Aaron Rodgers slinging him the football now. It's obviously an upgrade over um, Zach Wilson or anyone that was playing there last year. At number eight, I put Terry McLaurin of the Washington football He's team. Good. Very good wide receiver. It picked up in fantasy for a lot of people, I'm sure. I have him at number eight. At number seven, C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. Great player. I mean, just unbelievable. And his name's fun to say. Like, who wouldn't want a guy on their team named Lamb? I love <laughs> Lamb. Okay, I Lamb is one of my favorite foods. Um, and then at number six, I also have A.J. Brown. He just misses my top five. I think he could be in the top five after the season is over. He would have been off my list entirely entering last season. The Tennessee Titans are where receivers go to die. They're they're the old bears. You're an elite receiver. You go to the Titans, you start to suck. At least you don't start to suck. Okay, you don't forget how to catch a ball. Your numbers start to drop. And more than quarterbacks, all of these lists, a lot of them, except for really the defensive players, um, most of them are dependent on somebody else. All of these guys need to have a good quarterback. Otherwise, their numbers are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. But we know which ones are targeted a lot by the said quarterbacks because of how elite they are. These are the guys. A.J. Brown is one of them. Um, I love him on the Eagles. He got back to being the A.J. Brown that we once knew yeah. um, once he got to the Eagles. I think he cracks the top five list next year potentially. Yep, I think it's possible. There's a couple I, guys I could see bumping out of my this top year, five. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I, know, I think I know who you're going to say, but – um, there are a couple of rookies coming in this year that I think could enter that discussion next year too. So, and, and I didn't name Waddle. I Waddle's unreal. So and he got two a sling in the ball down. Exactly. Um, he, he's the number two in Miami and to be like considered a top 10 wide receiver as a number two is very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, because of, like I said, part of this list is your situation. And, you know, if the guy who we probably both have as number one were drafted by the, um, I don't know, who, uh, the Washington, not Washington, that would be a good thing for him. If the, he were drafted by the Cardinals, be a tough situation for him right now. Mm-hmm. So go ahead with your top five. My top five at number five, I got Stefan Diggs. Huge upgrade for the Buffalo Bills going from the Minnesota Vikings to Buffalo. I mean, that that helped him out tremendously, and he was great on the Vikings, don't get me wrong, but being getting to play with Josh Allen, huge quarterback upgrade, huge team overall upgrade, definitely a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Number four, you mentioned we mentioned his number two, Jalen Waddell. I got Tyree Kill, the number one wide receiver in Miami. Once again, he, he, I mean, this guy does it all. I mean, he's so quick, too, when he catches the ball. He's just off. Um so that, that's fantastic. Number three, I have Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup may not have produced as much last year given to the fact that the Los Angeles Rams stunk, but he is a tremendous, tremendous wide receiver, especially after he catches the ball. We've had discussions about it. So hard to take down. I think that goes a long way, especially being a wide receiver. He just barrels over everybody. Um, so I, I just felt like I had to add Cooper Cup, regardless of how bad the team he's on. Um, and he's, he's got uh, Matthew Stafford, so I know you love Matthew Stafford, and that, that's what you got here. Number two, Jamar Chase, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, you could argue, 
for number one. I could argue Jamar Chase could be number one. He's got a higher upside, in my opinion, getting to play with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals compared to my number one. Um, so, I mean, I, I would take arguments for Chase being number one. But number one, I went with Justin Jefferson. This guy does it all. He's got great numbers each year. Um, he's he's definitely making a name for himself in the NFL. I, I mean, it's not much to say. He's a lot of the consensus number one picks. But like I said, I would take arguments for Jamar Chase at number one. I don't, Frank, I don't hate any of that. I mean, you made some really good points. I will say before I get into my top five, I left Cooper Cup off. Just a lot because of people do. It's not because of statistics, though. My reason for leaving him off was I don't think he's going to play very much this season. He's going to Minnesota from Los Angeles to see a specialist on – was it his knee? I forget exactly. There's something he's going – I forget exactly what it is. I can't keep all these injuries straight. Um, but – Cooper Cup would be on my list. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think the world of Cooper Cup. He would be on my list if I thought he was going to play entering this season healthy, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure maybe he will play because I'm going to probably sound like a hypocrite when I name one of my running backs later on, but I, he missed a lot of games last year. I'm just not confident he's going to be a top-10 wide receiver this upcoming NFL season, not because of skill. If it's based on skill, he's probably number three behind, I, the, behind the two you named. I, I, as that's number one and two. Oh, you did put him at. Okay, so yeah. So, I mean, that's the reason he's off my list. But at five, I also put Diggs. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs is responsible for the most exciting play I think I've ever seen in the NFL. For the I Vikings? think the Minnesota Miracle is the most exciting play I've ever watched with my own two eyes. And I've seen a lot of shit. I watch a lot of sports. I think Joe Buck yelling passes caught Diggs. And then he, you know, unbelievable. And then the Prince song is playing and he's looking at the crowd. He chucks his helmet. Just an, one of the most electric plays I've ever seen in the NFL. Number four is a guy that used to make my life a living hell. And then last year he finally got the H out of my hair when he went to the Las Vegas Raiders. And, of course, I'm talking about Devontae Adams. Um, Devontae Adams is probably one on this list going into last year. And him bumping down to four isn't because he stinks. It's because the guys that jumped him jumped him. Um, he's just unreal. You know, I, I think he's going to make Jimmy G look good or whoever's playing quarterback for them by the end of the year. Um, like I said, I don't think the Raiders are a horrible team and they might be one of the two or three worst in the AFC. That's how good the AFC is in my opinion. Okay. Um, but I have him at number four at number three. I have Tyreek Hill, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Early on last year, did kind of miss Tyreek. I know they ended up winning the Super Bowl anyway, but I think they would have been even that much more explosive if yeah. they had Tyreek Hill last season. And Tua Tonga-Vailoa loved having Tyreek Hill last year. Um, they were 8-3 and three in games Tua played. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be a big reason for the Dolphins being a very good team again, once again this season. At number two, I have Jamar Chase. Um, his upside, I get what you're saying about his upside with Joe Burrow. He has a better quarterback, so he has – more accurate, more like gifted, more elusive passes coming his way than the guy I have at number one. But I do think the guy that I have at number one, Justin Jefferson, is just wildly more talented than everybody else. And Kirk Cousins is good enough. He's a B plus quarterback. Um, 
in the NFL, and that's good enough to help make Justin Jefferson, you know, amazing. And the greatest wide receiver who ever lived played his prime in Minnesota, Randy Moss, and now you got Justin Jefferson doing the same thing there. So it's Minnesota's becoming wide receiver you a lot of the time, it seems like. Um, he's a real, real asset to their offense. So I really like Justin Jefferson. That's my top 10 NFL wide receivers. I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, we agreed on a lot. We we didn't have some of each other's players, but I mean, it gets fuzzy towards the bottom ten. You know, when it, it does. Gets I think like eight, nine, and ten. It's like it's so it, hard. These lists the, are so hard. Two of them you did left off though. Like I would have had on in normal. Right, like right. I bumped Hopkins off because I don't trust the Titans to utilize him as a top ten receiver in the NFL, and I left Cooper Cup off for. Um, the purpose of, you know, injury and missing games and whatnot. So. And I hear you. Hey, I hear you. All right, Frank, let's move on to running backs. Um, let's do it the same way. Go with the 10 to 5 and then – or no, let's let's do it opposite here. Let's do 1 to 5. Okay. Uh, running backs, you said? Yep, running backs. All right. Number one, I got Christian McCaffrey simply because this man does it all. He catches the ball. He's a threat at being a wide receiver. He's a threat being a running back. I mean, you literally got a two-in-one type of guy and literally is the greatest at his position. It's truly remarkable. If he, he's got to stop being injured as much as he is. Um, he had, that was his problem in Carolina. But, you know, ever since going to the 49ers, he's just been as electric, if not more. Two, this might surprise you. I don't think this is a, a lot of guys number two. I'm very high up on him just because I think he is an absolute stud. That's Derrick Henry. I got Derrick Henry at number two. Great on the goal line because he's another guy that just barrels over you. I think he's super talented. Um, it's hard to say he's underrated because he's not, because everybody just acknowledges how good he is. But I think he's underrated as being not a top two. People think he's not a top two running back in the NFL, where I think he is. And in, in my eyes, to me, that's underrating him a little bit because of how good I think he is. But nonetheless, uh, Tennessee Titans tend to run the ball a lot because of T Tannehill and what you said. Players go there to die, but simply Derrick Henry doesn't die in Tennessee. He makes that team better. Got Derrick Henry at two. Number three, I got Nick Chubb. He is another guy who is just tremendous. Um, Cleveland Browns ran the ball a lot last year because they were without a quarterback for mo a, a good portion of the year. Nick Chubb, widely talented. Josh Jacobs is my number four for the Las Vegas Raiders. I had him in fantasy last year, and he would just cook every week. Ultimately, I won a championship with him. Um, great running back. Not much else to say about him. Number five, this one was tough. I have Jonathan Taylor, and I don't know the future on Jonathan Taylor this year. I don't know if they're, he's going to rekindle ties with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know where he's going to go. If he, Depending on where he goes, might not be top five. But I know his talent's there. I'm going off their talent from what we've seen. And Jonathan Taylor's a stud when he's healthy, when he doesn't have all these issues to deal with. That rounds out my top five. Understood. I Similar to my last list, I left Jonathan Taylor off um, just because he's missing at minimum the first four games. Um, and that made me leave off somebody else too. I didn't put Alvin Kamara on my list. He's going to miss the first three, but 
you know, I think missing those first three games could set him behind from being a top 10 running back in the NFL this season. Same thing with Taylor at four games missing. The thing, Kamara's coming back. So I would actually probably be quicker to add him to my list. Uh, Taylor could hold out the whole year, and then the Colts could franchise tag him again, and we could deal with this bullshit again next August Mm -hmm. So with him. So it's a tough league with running backs. Um, This list is going to change more than any list we give right now because of the fact that, you know, running backs, they kind of hit the ground running after the draft while making peanuts, and then when it's time for them to get paid, they start to suck, so teams are, you know, hesitant to pay them, and that pisses them off, and they hold out, and, you know, we saw Le'Veon Bell fade into the sunset for that reason. We might see Jonathan Taylor fade into the sunset for that reason, so we'll see what happens there, but I honestly hope it gets out or fixed because I do like watching Taylor play for the Colts. Mm -hmm. Um, At number one, I do have Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the best running back in the NFL. He's one of the best running backs in NFL history. Uh, The 49ers were 12 and one after acquiring him last year. And the one was the playoff loss where Brock Purdy got hurt. So, you know, just an elite team, elite system, best offensive coach in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan. I think they're going to do wonders with McCaffrey this reason. The 49ers are going to be, uh, I'm not going to spoil that um, for later <laughs> in the show. Um, at number two, I have Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley probably would be number one on this list if he would have played for all those years. But last year was his first year healthy in a while. I think based on talent, he is one of the most elusive running backs in the league and somebody that if he is healthy can be a productive season. The health reason is what has him at two instead of one. And I think Derrick Henry could have easily been number two as well. I, I agree with your pick. I think it's a good pick. Um, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, he kind of bucked the trend of most running backs. He was a beast at Alabama. And everyone was Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. In 2012, that's a different time than now in terms of running backs in the NFL. Well, Henry came in and he didn't really make much noise. You know, it was like Derrick Henry. I thought he was going to be much better in the NFL. What are the Titans doing? Where's Derrick Henry? And then one day, there was one game late in the season. I remember it was a fantasy football playoff game for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And he like had a 50 point game as a running back that day. And from that moment on, he was one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think he was the number one running back in fantasy football the following two years after that. So Derrick Henry, he's a beast. He's a thick boy. He's hard to tackle. Defenders don't want to tackle him because it hurts them more than him. Um, so yeah, Derrick Henry at three or four. I have Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs makes me sick to my stomach, stomach <laughs> because the Las Vegas Raiders used the pick that was given to them by the Chicago Bears in the Khalil Mack trade to draft Derrick Henry, or to draft Josh Jacobs, excuse me, and he is now one of the best running backs in the NFL. The Raiders got him with the Bears pick. That makes me sick to my stomach. I hate him. At number five, Nick Chubb. He's unbelievable. The Cleveland Browns, I'm telling you, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to make playoffs, but they're going to be damn good. They're going to be exciting. Deshaun Watson's better than people think. He was elite at Clemson. He was elite with the Texans. Fastest player to X amount of yards. Fastest player to X amount of touchdowns, whatever. He looked like he was going to be a Hall of Famer in his first two years until all the off-the-field stuff started. And then they traded him to the Browns. The Browns have an elite defense, like a fantasy-worthy defense. And if Watson and Chubb play well this season, there's no reason they can't at least be competitive. They play the Bengals hard. The Bengals finally beat the Browns for the first time in a while. Last year, they went one and one against them. The Browns only lose two or three games a season these days. One of them will be to the Browns one of the two times this year. Might even be this Sunday. I'm thinking about throwing a little something on the Browns this weekend, even though I think the Bengals are like, they they might be the best team in the NFL. I probably might pick them to do things. 
the Browns have their number for whatever reason. Chubb's a big part of it. So there's my mm-hmm. top five. Absolutely. I like that top five. Um, All right. Six, six to ten. Number six, I got Austin Eckler. Absolute stud. Another guy that's been familiar with my fantasy teams over the years. I, I love the way he plays. I He, he kind of came out of nowhere. How long has Eckler been in the league? Do you know? Um, I don't know exactly how long, but I know what you mean. It kind of seems like last year he kind of – it just like he just took a big step. Yeah, it's like Eckler wasn't in a household name for a while, but now he is. He's climbing up the ranks. Definitely, definitely could see him in the top five, at least my top five list. He's top five on some people's list, but he's been in the league for a while, Frank. The really? thing is, like last year or the last couple of years, you just heard his name like he came out of nowhere. Yeah, the thing is, he he had like his first super elite season last year. Because he didn't have a thousand rushing yards, but he had um, sixteen. No, he had. Now I'm not being able to find it. I'll find it in a minute. He had a lot of total yards because of what you said about his receiving. He had seven hundred and twenty-two rushing yards, so he had like fifteen hundred yards total. Mm-hmm. So super overall. dual threat. But yeah, yeah like absolutely. four years in the, but that many years in the league. Seven, I got Saquon Barkley for the New York Giants. Um, you know, Danny Dimes likes to hand the ball off a lot, and Saquon Barkley, he, he's the man for it. He does a great job at his position. Give him respect for that as a number seven. Number eight, I got Aaron Jones. You know, him and A.J. Dillon are really the the two guys in Green Bay. They don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. They're going to be rolling with Jer- Jordan Love. Maybe we're going to see Jordan Love hand the ball off a little bit more. I know the Green Bay Packers, you know, trusted Aaron Rodgers more in the passing game. And they're going to have to do that with Love, too, obviously. They can't just be scared to to throw the ball. And obviously, as time goes on, he'll be more accustomed to throwing it and get into the system or whatnot. And I know he's been a backup there, and he knows the system already. But being a starter is way different than being a backup. So we'll see how he fares. He'll probably hand the ball off to Jones a lot more often this season. Number nine, you got Tony Pollard in Dallas. You know, they traded Zeke to the, the Patriots, and Tony Pollard was the number one last year. So now he's going to, but now he's going to have the number one role, obviously guaranteed with no stress from behind that maybe Zeke steals the, the starting role at some point. Tony Pollard is going to be the number one guy there in Dallas. We'll see how that turns out. And then number 10, I got Delvin Cook. Goes to the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. The only thing that scares me about the Jets is their offensive line's a bit shaky, and I, I got to be honest, I don't know if they did anything this offseason to fix that. I haven't been following the Jets this offseason, but I know that this Green or this uh, New Jersey, oh my God, these this New York Jets team is going to be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers uh, quarterbacking it. I think Delvin Cook running back will be great. I think uh, the the two way game of Rodgers throwing and handing it off to Delvin Cook. We've seen what Delvin Cook could do in the past. He's, he's tremendous, uh, so I, I felt like I had to add him at number 10. I didn't want to leave him off the top 10 list. Understood. Understood. My number six, I have Austin Eckler, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're going to use him a lot. He was great last year. He didn't have 1,000 yards rushing, but guess what? He had 900 yards rushing, uh, 700 yards um, receiving, so like 1,600 yards total. That's a lot. 
between rushing and receiving. So he's obviously a high-end fantasy value pick, too, especially in PPR leagues. Um, just a dual threat. He's really good. I think the Chargers offense will roll with him being one of the leaders. For number seven, I put Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he's just unbelievable with Trevor Lawrence handing him the ball. The fact that he has Evan Ingram as a tight end will help open up holes for him because obviously the tight end is just as important as receiver, more important than receivers in terms of opening up lanes for them and creating chaos so that they could take advantage. Um, Travis Etienne, I think, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense is going to be through the roof this year and he's going to be a big part of it. And I love Tank Bigsby as his backup. That'll keep Etienne a little more fresh and the Jaguars offense will roll. At number eight, I have Brees Hall. Um, Dalvin Cook's not going to be the starter. In oh, New York Jets. It's going to be Brees Hall for the most part. Dalvin Cook will get his carries. He's worthy of this list. I would rank him 11. I'm I didn't not know even he wasn't going to be the starter. Well, I haven't really paid attention to the he's Jets. He's going to get a lot of carries, though, so he's worthy of this list. He is absolutely worthy of this list. If, In fact, if he were on any other team, he might be in my top, like, eight. But the fact that he will be splitting carries with um, Brees Hall, and Hall was awesome last year till he got hurt. And that's probably why they went out and got Dalvin Cook, like a security blanket. Um, mm-hmm. Now they have two elite running backs. Um, but, yeah, Brees Hall, number eight, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what to say. I mean, they're going to use play action, I'm sure, now that they know that they have two elite running backs. Uh, Brees Hall will be certainly someone who gets the nod at number nine. I'm taking a risk here. I'm pay- taking a rookie. I think Bijan Robinson was drafted fifth overall or whatever it was, eighth overall, by the Atlanta Falcons for a reason. Um, at uh, Texas. He was incredible. He was one of the best running backs that college football has ever seen. And I'm surprised he didn't, you know, even possibly go a little higher in the draft. It's hard to draft running backs. They don't draft running backs in the first round hardly ever. Um, Bijan Robinson is worthy of a top 10 pick, though. The last one that I remember being worthy of a top 10 pick, Saquon Barkley, who we ranked number two now, or number three, whatever, wherever you, I think you had him at seven, like top 10 running back in the NFL worthy. Um, I think that highly of Bijan Robinson, and I think the Atlanta Falcons offense is going to run through him. And then at number 10, I put Pollard. Um, It was the debate between Pollard and Cook. I actually wrote down Cook. I switched it to Pollard. Um, the Dallas Cowboys offense that with CD lamb and Dak Prescott and Pollard, they'll probably score tons of points this season. Um, I really think that Pollard's unreal and he forced Zeke out because I still think Zeke is going to make some contributions to the new England Patriots this season. Mm -hmm. And you don't force a guy like that out unless you have a true number one back and Pollard is certainly one of those. So that's my top 10 NFL running backs. Yeah. Zeke will get his uh, goal line touches. They'll use him on the goal line a lot. I think. Absolutely. All right, Frank, top 10 tight ends. All right. In my opinion, one, two, and three, like there's the clear big three. I mean, everybody talks about the big three. So you got number one, you got Travis Kelsey, who to me is the most talented tight end in the NFL. And it's not really close just because he's got the best quarterback in the NFL throwing him. And he just, he's more than a tight end. He acts like a wide receiver. It's like he's drafted so high in fantasy leagues because of his production, his, his yardage per game, the amount of touchdowns he scores. It's just like any other – it's just like no other, man. It, it, it's incredible. And then with Kittle at two and I got Andrews at three, they're, the, they're in my opinion, they're so close. They're so talented. Tight ends are a very, very hard spot in the NFL. It's very hard to get – so much depth in your tight end position. It's a, it's what a lot of teams struggle with in all honesty. 
but I think Kittle and Andrews are just so they're built so well and they play on very good teams. I mean, a lot of these tight ends I got my top four, they play for, you know, Super Bowl threat contending teams, in my opinion. And I'll leave it at that. I mean, I don't really have much to say about these guys. They're just so talented. Number four, I got Dallas Goddard for the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Jalen Hurts throwing to you. Jalen Hurts makes everybody on the field better. He's a tremendous passer, tremendous runner. Goddard's going to get his fair share, of, fair share of touches from Jalen Hurts. Great uh, tight end. And then number five, I got TJ Hawkinson for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, he played for the Lions. I'd love to see what he'd do with the Lions with this up-and-coming Lions team. But nonetheless, the Vikings are going to have a pretty decent team as well. TJ Hawkinson, he'll get the job done. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is going to be looking for Jefferson most of the time, but Hawkinson's a threat out there as well on offense. That's my top five for you. Very good, very good. We agree on the top three. Uh, Travis Kelsey is not only the best tight end in the NFL, he's pushing Gronk for the best tight end ever. And Tony Gonzalez, I think those are the big three all time. Um, Kelsey is certainly the best in the league right now. It's not really close. He, he even overlapped Gronk a little bit in his career and took over from Gronk while Gronk was still in the league. And with Mahomes throwing to him and Andy Reid designing plays, I don't even think there's really much to question. George Kittle, he's number two still for me. Um, I wish, you know, we'll see what happens with them at quarterback. It's going to be Purdy's job to lose. Um, they did, they had never lost the game that he started and finished, and we'll see if Kittle's able to take advantage. And then Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens at number three. They came to the league together in 2018, and he's been his number one receiver since. So I think that's obviously going to be a big deal. Um, at four, I have Waller. Um, Waller of the New York Giants is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. In fact, that allowed them to move off of a player who is going to also be in my top 10 tight ends. Like that's how good Waller was. They were able to move off of a different top 10 tight end and let him go to a different team. And then at number five, I put Dallas Goddard. Um, he's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, the Eagles, they, they kind of did the same thing. Ertz didn't make my top 10, but he is somebody who is very good. And the Eagles were just like, yeah, we don't need Zach Ertz anymore. We have Dallas Goddard. Um, unreal player. Unreal. He really is. Yeah. All right. You're six through ten. My six is your four. It's Darren Waller. And I think the only reason I didn't include him is because I don't trust Danny Dimes. Great player. Darren Waller, top five, tight end in the league. Right? But – I, I just don't I don't trust Danny Dimes. I mean, he's proved me wrong many times, but obviously not. You can't take that away from Darren Waller and the play ma- he makes catching the ball out there. Seven, Pittsburgh Steeler Pat Fryermuth. Um, he's another guy that came out of nowhere. I believe he was a rookie last year. Uh, I could be wrong. Don't really remember, but he's he's tremendous as well. I, a lot of these guys, I don't really know what to say about them because I feel like I'm just a broken record saying like they they all do their, posi- their position great. So number eight, I got David Njoku for the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be interesting with Deshaun Watson having a full season as quarterback for the uh, Cleveland Browns. I think that's going to make Njoku better. He was great. He was a great tight end to have on your team. Like I said, tight end depth is hard to come by. Great player. We'll see what he could do with Deshaun Watson. Number nine, Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how good the Falcons will be this year. Um, probably not that great, but Kyle Pitts, he's a great player. Obviously, 
he's a top tight end in Atlanta and he'd be a top t- tight end on a lot of these teams. Obviously none of the ones I just named, but there there's a lot of teams in the NFL that would like to have Kyle Pitts on their team. So I got Kyle Pitts at number nine and then number 10, I got Dalton Schultz on the Houston Texans. I know the Texans are going to be really stinky this year, but you never know. We'll see what they could do with CJ. No, Bryce young, Bryce young at quarterback. And we'll see, uh, how that does with Dalton Schultz. That's all I got for you. I don't know what to say about a lot of these guys, to be honest with you. For sure. At number six, I have Pat Fryermuth. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a bubble team this year. Uh, the last place team in the AFC North is going to be a bubble team, in my opinion. And I think Fryermuth is really going to help um, – what's his name? Kenny Pickett really go mm-hmm. off this year and take some steps. So, you know, the Steelers, you know they're not going under 500 with Mike Tomlin as their coach. So – you know, how are they going to get there? Pat Fryermuth is going to be a big part of their offense. At number seven, I have Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars, over 900 receiving yards last year and just an unbelievable player. There was a, the Giants let him go because they had Waller, but he was great for them too with Danny Dimes mm-hmm. before upgrading to Trevor Lawrence. So he's going to be a big target on their offense with Calvin Ridley there now to open things up a little bit more for them. I think it's fair to be excited about what Evan Engram is going to bring. I have him as the seventh best in the NFL. At number eight, I did put Dalton Schultz of um, the Texans. Um, He had a final season in Dallas that wasn't very good, but there's no doubt that before that, you know, kind of bummy last season, he was considered one of the top tight ends in the NFL, and the Texans are going to try and take advantage of it with the rookie. I think he'll be a big-time target for them, so we'll see what happens there. At number – did I just – what did I name Schultz? Did I name him number eight? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, at number nine, I have David and Joku, um, the Cleveland Browns stud, right? Like he's a guy you want in fantasy and stuff like that. So, you know, just unbelievable um, ability to kind of create separation. And I, I think, I do think Deshaun Watson as a football player is unbelievable. And I think Njoku is going to be a big part of why kind of for the, what are they called? The, um, um, oh my God, the Cleveland Browns. What a brain fart that was. Cause I'm sitting here shuffling through my list and you know, it makes me forget the names of football teams that play in Cleveland. So <laughs> for no- number 10, I'm going to pick Kyle Pitts. And the reason I chose Pitts over Hawkinson is Hawkinson was kind of boring in his final season with, or in his first three seasons with the Detroit lions. And yeah, that kind of has a little bit to do with the fact that they were a crummy team, but an eighth overall pick, he just didn't excite me very much. And Kyle Pitts, kind of the same thing last season and the year before. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really excited me all that much. He was the number four pick, was really, really good with Florida, and I kind of thought he'd step right in and be a top five tight end in the NFL right away. He hasn't been, but I think the overall physical skill that Kyle Pitts possesses puts him over Hawkinson for me. So those are my top ten tight ends in the NFL. Cool. Let's really quickly run through the, the top ten defenders. Go through them. Tough. You, you could do like, one through. You could do one through ten quickly. Yeah, because I I really have not not much to say. All these guys are a beast defensively. When they're rushing at you or taking you to the ground, I mean, they're the best at it. I think yeah. a lot of these names on the list are going to be the same. I'm going to say we're going to have nine of ten of the same. Okay. So here we go. Number one, Micah Parsons, Dallas. Number two. I got Miles Garrett on the Cleveland Browns. Three, it's a family household name that you hear a lot. It's not J.J. Watt, but it's T.J. Watt, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Number four, I got from the Los Angeles Chargers, Nick Bosa. Five, Aaron Donald. Six is a guy I like a lot. I like his name, and I, you know, I like what he does on defense. Is Sauce Gardner. I like Sauce. Number six for the Jets. Number seven, Max Crosby. He's an absolute stud, too. Dude, if I was playing against him and he was rushing at me, I'd just crumble. I'd just back up, lay down on the ground. He's unbelievable. Number eight, Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think he's signed with the Chiefs right now, right? I'm pretty sure he's still not signed with them. I still think there's issues going on there. And that There's going to be some holes with the Kansas City Chiefs. They need to get him signed because he's a beast. Number nine, Aiden Hutchinson on the Detroit Lions. Um, and then number 10, I got the other Bosa brother. I got Joey Bosa on the Chargers. He's tremendous as well. Wait, Nick and Joey play for the Chargers, both of them? No, you said you I said Joey. One I know what you the, meant, though. One place for the 49ers. Nick. Yeah, Nick. That's what I meant to say. Nick Bosa for the 49ers, Joey Bosa for the Chargers. I knew I had something messed up. I knew they didn't. I knew one played for the 49ers. Yeah, for sure. I understand what you meant. Um, and I have him number one. I think Nick Bosa is the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, so, you know, just his ability to create chaos for opposing quarterbacks. He might not play this weekend against the Steelers, which would be a incredible win for the Steelers if he doesn't play. The reason he might not play is contract issues. He wants a blockbuster type of deal. He wants to be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. He might get it. Okay, the, the question is whether or not he's going to make more than the guy I have at number two, Aaron Donald, who has been, you know, a Super Bowl champion, a defensive player of the year, a little bit more on his resume than Joey Bosa has. But, you know, usually whoever's next in line is the guy who ends up becoming the highest paid. But, you know, at number three, I do have Miles Garrett. Um just an unbelievable presence on the Cleveland Browns defense. He's one of the best players on one of the best defenses. And then at number four, I have Chris Jones. Um, he might not play the tomorrow against the Lions, which would be just completely devastating for the Chiefs, whose defense isn't really all that good. Like, it wasn't even really all that good last year, but it was good enough where Patrick Mahomes can outscore the opponents. But if they're missing Chris Jones against the Lions tomorrow and Travis Kelsey, that's going to be a big blow to them. I'm not taking the Lions too lightly at this point in time right now, and Chris Jones not playing is a big part of it. But he is, in my opinion, the fourth-best defensive player in the NFL. At number five, I do have T.J. Watt. Um, TJ Watt, obviously the brother of JJ Watt. These, this family doesn't know how to not have <laughs> acronyms for names and they all have to have a J in there at some point. Um, TJ Watt's amazing though. And he's going to help the Steelers create chaos. You, if you win a Super Bowl, you normally have a good edge rusher. TJ Watt is a Super Bowl caliber edge rusher. At number six, I have Mika Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. He's probably the best linebacker in the NFL and he just creates extreme chaos. So, Good for him. Um, yeah, that was number six. Number seven, I have uh, Joey Bosa of the Los Angeles Chargers. Like his older brother, he's not quite as good, but he's up there. Um, just an absolute chaos machine there for the Chargers. Um, we'll see what he's able to do. Um, at number uh, eight, I do have Sauce Gardner. I, I love Sauce, too. Okay, I put Sauce <laughs> on everything. Um, and, you know, just a defensive rookie of the year last year. That was unbelievable. Um, he probably was the best corner in the NFL last season. And I have a feeling he's going to be the best corner in the NFL this season. So at number eight, Sauce Gardner, love me some sauce. At number nine, I am going to pick Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle of the New York Jets. Listen, the New York Jets have a great defense. I'm naming two Jets in a row here. Um, there's a reason for that. I think, um, you know, Williams' ability to 
be explosive and destroy backfields and make it hard to run against the Jets. That's going to be one of the reasons, you know, people think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, offense, Jets, their defense is what's going to make Aaron Rodgers successful if they are this season. So Quinn and Williams at number nine. And then at number 10, I have Max Crosby of the Vegas Raiders. Crosby, if I remember correctly, he went to Oregon. You know, I like to keep where guys went to college straight, but I'm pretty sure Max Crosby was at Oregon and he was one of the best edge rushers in the country. And now he's on the Raiders. Um, if Crosby can continue his destruction all season long, again, I think low of the Raiders in terms of their playoff chances, but I don't think low of them as a team necessarily. I think they'd be right there in the NFC. So Max Crosby, or yeah, Max Crosby is a big reason for that. So nailed it on the head. We had nine of ten of the same. What was the one different? Your Quentin, Quentin Williams, uh, and who did I have that you didn't? Um. um... Aiden Hutchinson. Oh. Of the Lions. For yeah. sure. I had a feeling nine of ten. Yeah. Just felt right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so what's that? That's naming top ten players at certain positions in the NFL. We have more football to break down in period number three. You and your damn coke. Dude, how many times are you going to interrupt me? Well, maybe you should drink it quicker. Sassy. Frank, the Bears play the Packers this weekend. What do you think? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a fun matchup. It's going to be very different from Bears-Packers matchups in the past because the Bears don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers anymore. The Bears are only a one-point favorite, and everyone's saying, why are the Bears only a one-point favorite? My response is the Bears are coming off a 3-14 and 14 season, and the Packers have owned the Bears. The Bears haven't proved anything to be more than a, uh, more of a favorite, but I do think the Bears are going to get the win uh, on Sunday against the Packers and start the season off on a high note. And I'll go to say that they even win 24-17. Well, very good. I, I'm going to pick the Bears to win, too. I hope they win. Um, I think there's a chance they win. I don't think I don't get why people think they deserve to be anything other than a one point favorite. You're lucky they're exactly. a favorite at all. There's exactly. like six and twenty against the Packers in the last twenty six matchups. They haven't beat them since twenty eighteen when they clinched the division. Shut yeah. up with all that Bears optimism. You're gonna jinx them. They've sucked for most of your life. Most of your life. Get that out of here, that cockiness. Cause what they signed Yannick Ngakwe in the offseason, they're gonna win the Super Bowl now. I mean, chill the H out. I think they have a chance to win. I'm going to pick them to win. But, like, you know, that that Green Bay team, they had Brett Favre, okay? And Mike Holmgren didn't even want to play Brett Favre. They played Brett Favre. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers comes to town. They bench him for four years. And when he starts, he ends up being better than Favre. And now we're just going to assume that Jordan Love stinks. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not positive he's going to be good. I hope Fields is better. But I'm not going to sit here and act like the quarterback foundation that is the Green Bay Packers isn't going to ruin my life once again. I need to be proven guilty until proven innocent are the Green Bay Packers with developing quarterbacks. Um, I'm worried about the weekend. I think it's ignorant to think the Bears deserve to be a favorite at all, let alone uh, minus one. They're minus one at home, which means they'd be plus two on the road which means at a neutral site, the Packers would be favored. Um, so give or take what you think about that. But, you know, it is at home. That's the reality of the situation. I hope the Bears win the game by a score of 24 to 20. 
Jaguars versus Colts. Just give me a pick. Jaguars. I love the spot for the Jaguars. I think the Colts absolutely stink. And okay. I think uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Jaguars are going to win this game. Yes, I think the Jaguars are going to win too. I think the Colts are one of the worst teams in the AFC, a very good conference. Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, Tank Bigsby, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, their offense is unbelievable. Their defense is getting better with Josh Allen leading the way and other guys. Um, I really like the Jaguars team. I think they could be the number one seed in the AFC. Um, they'll be amongst the conversation for sure. They beat the Colts in week one. Mm-hmm. Steelers versus 49ers. This is interesting because I'm very, very, very high up on Brock Purdy. I think he's a tremendous quarterback. I, I know it was only one season. I know he's got a lot to prove. But this 49ers team, they got a very good team, and I think Brock Purdy knows it well. Like you even said, he didn't lose a game he started and finished. But I think I'm going to go with the Steelers here in an upset. And I think they're going to get it done just because they're home. I'm going to give them that home advantage. Steelers could be picky with Kenny Pickett. And uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers here to get the upset win over the 49ers. All right. I'm going to pick the 49ers. I think they're the best roster in the NFL. Um, I'm not, I'm a little bullish on Purdy. I need to see it again. I think it's possible. He was great at Iowa state and then didn't lose in the NFL with a game he started and finished. So, and they made it to the NFC championship game last year. Um, the only team they lost to was the Eagles who probably were slightly better, if not equal on paper outside of quarterback. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pick the 49ers to edge out the Steelers here. If, uh, Nick Bosa doesn't play though. I might change my opinion. Uh, the Steelers—they're going to be a really good team, and I think they're going to be pesky. like a gritty team. Yeah, pesky, gritty, however you want to describe it. And then Frank, last individual matchup we'll go over together: Chiefs versus Lions tomorrow night. What do you got? I think uh, it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I ultimately think that at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to get it done when the clock strikes zero. But I do think the Lions are going to cover the spread and keep the game close. So I think it's going to be Chiefs win in a very close game. I couldn't agree with everything you just said more if I tried. I think the Lions are going to make it tough. They might even lead at halftime. They might even lead after the third quarter. They might even lead at a point in the fourth quarter. Patrick Mahomes can complete a game-winning drive, though, and take care of business to start the season 1-0 for the uh, Chiefs, though, which will eventually help the Bears if the Lions could start the season 0-1. That would be nice. Um, Frank, are there any other matchups you wanted to touch on? I think Dolphins Chargers are going to be good. Tua versus Herbert, most likely a high scoring affair. And then the other one, the Monday night game, Bills at Jets. The debut of Aaron Rodgers on the Jets versus Josh Allen and the Bills. Honestly, I think that's a perfect Monday night game. I really do. Absolutely. That was the one I was. That was the NFL game I was going to touch on. Jets versus Bills, Monday Night Football. Um, you can watch it with me here on the Barroom Network. We'll be doing South Burbs Hitman uh, simultaneously with it. So uh, we'll probably be mainly focused on watching and reacting to that game. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah. And then another game that's not the NFL, but it's uh, Texas versus Alabama, number three versus oh, yeah. number 11. That's the game on Saturday. You need to be watching that one. I'm so, so excited for it. Oh, yeah. Um. Frank, let's go over it. Let's make your predictions for the AFC playoffs. Who do you think are going to make the playoffs from the AFC? All right, here we go. I'm very excited about this. Um, I love my picks for both the AFC and the NFC. So here we go. 
In the AFC, I got the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers, and I could see it in headlines now that Aaron Rodgers took the Jets to the playoffs for the first time in X amount of years, the New York Jets. Hell yeah. Say them again one more time fast. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Jaguars, Ravens, Chargers, Jets. You left off the Steelers. I left off the Steelers. Wow. Are they one of your, if I ask you like we did last year yeah. and we both said Winnipeg, are they like one of the teams, yeah. like uh-huh. surprise teams possibly? Mm-hmm. Is, are they your only one? Um, From the AFC. Mm, no, uh, my other one from the AFC. I don't know. I don't know if this team's AFC or NFC, so I'm gonna Just look it up. It. I'm gonna look it up really quick. I don't want to sound like an idiot. Um, well, they are the AFC, I think. Yeah, the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. Dolphins would be my uh, – I left the Dolphins off. Okay. I did. It's a bit shocking, I understand, because I know Dolphins can have a very good year. But I wanted to ride with – the Dolphins are in what division again? Refresh my memory. They are in the east with the Bills, but, Jets, Patriots. So the way I looked at it is that I think the Bills are going to end up winning that division, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to help lead the Jets – to the postseason, and listen, Tua has many more years to come. The The Aaron Rodgers era will come to an end sooner rather than later, and that'll be Tua's time. I don't see three teams coming out that of that division and making the playoffs, so that's why I left the Dolphins out of it. But they would be one of my bubble teams, or not even a bubble team, but yeah, one of my teams that would make the playoffs. Them and the Steelers are probably my two. Understood. All right. I have as the NFC or the AFC East winner, the Buffalo Bills, the AFC North winner, the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC West winner, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the AFC South winner, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then the three teams that I have at large making the playoffs are the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. I do you think the Jets are going to make the playoffs? I have the Steelers and the Chargers as teams that could prove me wrong, bump out a team like the Dolphins, bump out a team like the Ravens if Lamar Jackson isn't healthy. This is assumed that all quarterbacks are healthy. No healthy Lamar Jackson, no Ravens in the playoffs. So but got, I think that's pretty clear for every team. Most. So you got three teams coming out of that division. Yes. Yes. It's going to be tough. Very good division. And I think the Patriots are going to make teams mad. They're not going to win, but they're going to make teams mad. They entered week 18 last season, the final week of the season, in a playoff spot, and they choked. Yeah. Um. So the Patriots, they're, they're not – I don't think they're going to make it. They're not even really – I think the Steelers and Chargers are not making it and still better than the Patriots, but those are my teams. All right, That's Frank. Fair. Do the NFC – the NFC, I got – I didn't have the division winners listed. 
because I was just unsure of That's one okay. division. Of one division, I was like kind of on the fence for. Um, but I'm just going to name them the way I have them written down. Mm-hmm. I have the New Orleans Saints because I do think they're going to win their division. The Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, and my sleeper that I think is just – I don't know why I'm so high up on this team. I, I really like their quarterback, the Washington Commanders. Nice. I like nice. Sam Hall. I like Terry McLaurin. I think they I think they got a good team built here. Listen, they were pesky last year. They ended the Eagles undefeated streak. Um, so I, I like what the commanders have put together and uh I, I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna ride with them, see what they do. I don't hate it one bit. I don't like think the Cowboys all. are getting in. I think the commanders may have a better year than the Cowboys, in all honesty. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're on to something. I don't think you're crazy. Um, Remember that kid's name. Yeah. Okay. My winner from the AFC East is um, the AFC East, the or NFC East, excuse me. Sorry, I was reading a comment. Um, The NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's the most chalk pick out of every team in the NFC. And then the second most chalk pick is the winner of the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. Um, I have the uh, Detroit Lions winning the NFC North. They're going to have a That's good showing. I was, I was debating. Lions yeah. or Vikings? I didn't 100%. know. 100%. They're going to have a good showing tomorrow, lose, and then win 10 of their next 14 games or whatever it is and be like a 12-4, and four, you know, whatever type of team that is. I don't mm-hmm. know the exact records. I also could see the NFC North winner being like 10-7 and seven, and whoever comes in second place being like 9-8 and eight, and the third place team being 7-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. I really could see that being the case. Um, and the Bears in that mix. Um, but yeah, and then the NFC South, I think is the worst division possibly in the history of the NFL last (laughs) year, the Buccaneers won it uh, with a record of eight and nine. I could see a seven and 10 team winning it this year. And the team I have doing that is the new Orleans saints. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be very good at all. And they might be the worst team in the NFL. In fact, I'm rooting for them to be the worst team in the NFL so that Caleb Williams could go there and replace Tom and get the Buccaneers right back in contention. Because um, Caleb Williams, USC, if you haven't checked out USC yet, they're good. He's good. Yeah. Um, sure. Then my at-large teams, the wild card teams, I have the New York football giants. Um, I do think Danny Dimes is a little bit better than some people do give him credit for. I know you say you don't trust him. He has all the same makings of Alex Smith. And Alex Smith in the right system kept making the playoffs year after year after year. Well, the Giants, they proved me wrong last year, and I'm not going to disrespect them this year. I think they get in. They have a lot of weapons on defense. They have good playmakers on offense, including one of the best tight ends in the NFL, including one of the best running backs in the NFL. I have them in the playoffs. No team had a better camp. From everything I've heard, than the Seattle Seahawks, they were by far, according to everything I've read, and I read a lot, the Seattle Seahawks had the best camp. They had the most entertaining camp. They had the most people surprised by their camp. And Geno Smith, he might have found a home after struggling early on in his career. They drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba to go with some of the other weapons that they have there. And I think the Seattle Seahawks under Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's a dog. Mm-hmm. He knows how to coach. 
and they're young. They're very young, and that could keep them off this list by the come the end of the season. Sometimes young teams struggle, but the young Seattle Seahawks, I'm taking them to make the playoffs. And then my final team, I added them last second, the team I'm adding here. I'm making a last-minute decision here because I only wrote down six from the NFC so I can like decide right here, right mm-hmm. now. I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they're good. I, I hope they miss. I think they might miss. But the other at-large teams that I have that could be like sleepers are the Vikings, Panthers, and Falcons. And the only reason I have the Panthers and Falcons is because they could win that bad AF- NFC South. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, they'll be in the hunt late in the season, even though their records are way worse than some other teams, because they're only one game out of the bad division. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? The division winners automatically in. So if if the Saints enter week 18, um, 6 and 10, and the Vike and the Panthers and en- are entering week 18, 5 and, ni- uh, five and 11, mm-hmm. or I guess 5 and 9, whatever it is, they could take over the division in the last week of the season, even though they stick. Right. So that's why I have them as a sleeper um, to make the playoffs, but not as a wild card team. I just want to preface that. But the, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott's okay. He's not a top 10 quarterback in my opinion, but, you know, he's good enough where with the weapons that they have and the really good playmakers that they have on defense, CD Lamb, Pollard, they're going to help them score some points. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the Cowboys as the seventh team. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just – I'm really like the Commanders this year. I really Under, do. I hope you're right. Oh, I hope you're right. Let's go Commanders. Love I the Commanders. I think they're going to have a big showing week one. They play the Stinky Cardinals, I'm pretty sure. They're home against the Cardinals. That should be easy. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I do. I like, their, I like their schedule. I like their team. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right, Frank, out of all those teams that we named, who – who are legit Super Bowl threats? I think there's six. I think there's I, five. Go ahead. I think the Chiefs, okay. the Bills, the Bengals, the Eagles. I didn't want to choose this pick, but I think that if this team's on and there's quarterbacks on, then, I mean, they're going to be a threat. But I also could see them bombing out in a big way, too. Got the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. I just want to see how... Um, what's his name? Lamar Jackson responds after signing that big uh, contract. I think he'd go either way. I really do. Or I could see him having a terrible year. We'll see. But those are my five threats. If he's on, they're a threat. That's really interesting. So you picked four teams from the AFC and one from the NFC. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think there's six. And you nailed four of the six that I think. Obviously, the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the three best teams, three of the four best teams in the NFL. And then I would lump the Eagles in there with them. They're the Mount Rushmore of NFL teams right now. Mm -hmm. The 49ers, dude. With Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy's okay, they could win the Super Bowl. If they had Kirk Cousins, they'd be like the favorite, in my opinion. You know, uh, just a B-plus quarterback. If they had this Coke worth of quarterbacks, (laughs) they would be like a legitimate Super Bowl threat, and I think I even you. with mystery relevant, they and I think if I could take one roster minus quarterback in the NFL, it would be the 49ers. Um, and I'm adding the Jaguars, man. Their defense is going to take a step forward this year, and nobody has more fantasy worthy 
offensive pieces than the Jaguars. Can you name a team that has seven pieces on offense that are worth drafting? The Chiefs may – no, not even really. I mean, the Jaguars are going to be so sick. They play in the worst division, and one of their hard games is in London. So it's a neutral site at a field that favors them because they go to London every year. Mm-hmm. No other team goes to London every year. The Jaguars do. And they're going twice. They're staying there for two weeks. But one of them is against the Bills. They could beat the Bills in London. Not saying they will. We'll get we'll cross that bridge of predictions when we get there. But they could beat the Bills in London. There's no doubt in my mind they could. And shit, I think they would have beat the Bills in the playoffs last year. The Bills were dead by the time the playoffs came around last year. They almost <laughs> lost to the Dolphins. Um who beat the Bills last year? Was it the Chiefs? Was it the Bengals? No, it was the Bengals. You're right. It was the Bengals. They smoked them. I think it was. Um, All right, Frank, your Super Bowl prediction. It's one of those four teams versus the Eagles. Bills, Eagles. Bills, Eagles. This is going to be the year that Josh Allen doesn't get his name dragged through the sand. Hell yeah. Dude, imagine that Super Bowl party. Buffalo wings and Philly cheesesteaks, two of my top five favorite foods. Bills what a Eagles. food Super Bowl that would be. Josh That's... Allen has taken a little bit of heat over the past few years. This is the year he breaks out and wins the Super Bowl. I think he's going to win the Super Bowl. But we'll cross that bridge, too, when we do Super Bowl predictions later on. Well, that's now. That's what we're doing. Are you, I, you think, I think the Bills the are going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Very interesting. Okay, Frank. I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to be the NFC champions facing off against the Cincinnati Bengals as the AFC champions. And the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl for the first time in Joe Burrow's career and go into the offseason finally with that Super Bowl ring. Okay. I like so that. That's we where have, I have that. We didn't choose the Chiefs, which is good. You can't go with Chiefs. No. Chalk, yeah, I don't want to pick the Chiefs. Like, I like, listen, fan sided guy, let's go Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Let's go Bengals too. Joe Burrow right. saw him at LSU. You know how I feel about that. I love Let's Joe Burrow. Joe He's my fantasy yeah. quarterback in each of my fantasy leagues. So love that. Go Joe Burrow. Love that for you. Love yeah. that for you. We'll see what you can do tonight. Hope he stays healthy. League. Yeah. Guillotine League draft tonight. Yep. Eight o'clock. All right, Frank. Let's end the football show with America's favorite podcast segment of the week: Breaking Bets. <laughs> Frank, Stop. it's football season. It's gambling season. Are we Breaking still live? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got two picks. For- oh, let me throw up the graphic. We're slipping. We're just over 50% VP. But NFL, NFL season's underway. We're 1-3 this year in the NFL with one being the Super Bowl. I know you like to make fun of me for that, but now's the time to shine. I'm going to start off with an MLB pick, though. We still got MLB before we get to the NFL. And that's between the Orioles and the Angels. And then here's the problem with my setup and why I don't do a unit system and I only keep track of the record because I want to go with the Angels tonight. They're pretty decent dogs. They've sucked. You got Kyle Gibson, who's pitched pretty well, 
But his stats kind of stink. He's just got runs in front of him. That's why his record's so good. Against Patrick Sandoval for the Los Angeles Angels. The one thing that caught my eye about this game is that when I checked, 99% of the money is coming in on the Orioles' money line and 94% of all money line bets are on the Orioles. That's just absolutely ridiculous for a line as close to a pick as you could get. Not quite a pick but just a hair above a pick That is absolutely insane with Kyle Gibson pitching on the road. He hasn't been that good. He's got a good record, but that's because the Orioles score a ton of runs, and that's why his record's inflated like that. But his ERA kind of stinks, especially on the road. I don't trust it. The Orioles are going for a sweep, but I'm not. I'm going to ride with the Angels in this situation in hopes they could stop their five-game losing streak. The risk on the Orioles isn't worth the reward in the long run. Even if the Orioles pull out the win, it's not worth it in the long run. There's more value, more bang for your buck taking the Angels' money line at plus 120. Plus, there's an opportunity that Shohei Otani returns to the lineup. He wanted to return yesterday. Uh, the manager didn't let him, but maybe returns tonight. And if that's the case, obviously that helps tremendously too. My second pick is for the game tomorrow night. Football's back, VP. The first game of the NFL season's upon us, and I cannot wait for this game. From first glance, everyone might be thinking the Chiefs are going to blow out the Lions. Chiefs are going to blow out the Lions, but I'm the opposite. As we said in period number three, um, the Chiefs have some holes in their defense that need to be filled, and the Lions have developed a much better team building off of last year. In the end, I do think the Chiefs prevail at home in Arrowhead State, in Arrowhead Stadium with Patrick Mahomes in a primetime game. However, I think this is a tight game the whole way with the Lions being able to cover the spread. I would jump on it now. The line opened up at six and a half for the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs are only four and a half favorites. So don't let it get out of hand. Get it while you can. I like the Lions plus four and a half at minus 110. Good picks there, Frank. Good picks there. Should be interesting. NFL's back, baby, so let's roll. NFL's back. Let's get to it. We can't thank everybody enough for watching our show today. It has been an absolute pleasure talking football with each and every one of you. Bacha Galoop, how you doing? We'll be back with Devils really soon. Really soon. Um, very much looking forward to that and all the great stuff here on the Barroom Network. Frank, it's been a mostly football show, but that's because it's Merry Football Eve up in here. And, you know, make sure you're catching up with all the shows here on the Barroom Network that are keeping you up to date with football. I'll be back tomorrow with Crosstown Crosstalk, talking some baseball and football. We'll preview the Chiefs and Lions a little bit more. We'll know a little bit more about what's going on with Joe, uh, Nick Bosa by that point in time. And, you know, I can't wait to talk about it. And I can't wait to hear how all of you are doing with your fantasy football teams and whatnot. We got a guillotine league tonight, Frank. Very excited about that. Um, I can't thank everybody in the chat. Tom, Skokes, Bachigaloop, you guys are amazing. Everybody watching that didn't comment, unbelievable, very fun stuff. Love you all. Frank, anything you got to say before we head on out of eat? I'm excited for the guillotine league. I really am. It should be a fun draft. I think I picked 14th, which kind of stinks, but, you know, there'll be many options available. And the way the guillotine works, you're never out of it. You pick up players that are chopped. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Hopefully I can get a dub. Take down the reigning champ VP. The reigning champ VP right here. And make sure you follow on, you know, all the socials. Follow at the King Bean on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Read all of our stuff at Fansided. They all run through our Twitter account so you could go check out all that stuff, read all the stuff, listen to all the stuff at the Barroom Network. It's football season, so the network is in full gear at this point. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Frank will be back with us on Bar Down Talking Hockey one week from today. Training camp's coming up soon. Let's go. As always, thank you for listening.